Coming up this week on Breaking Badness with our special guest, Alan Liska. Today we discuss an accrual world, why 1040s are particularly taxing during a pandemic. Next up, Microsoft attempts to nurse hospitals back to health. And finally, our 14th round of Two Truths and a Lie. With that, Breaking Badness is next. Welcome to Breaking Badness, episode number 42, recorded on April 6th, 2020. I'm your co-host, Kelsey, the cup punneth over LaBelle. With me, co-host Chad Roulette Anderson, and our very special guest, Alan the Nightsack Liska. Welcome, Alan. It's so nice to have you on the podcast. Thank you. I'm really glad to be here. And did I hear that this is episode number 42? It is. We're going to provide all the answers. <laughs> yes, that is pretty amazing. Um, by the way, Alan has come in and already upped the game. He came up with that amazing pun intro for Chad, and the world needs to know that. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for being on today. We're going to hit on two different articles, as we typically do, and end with two truths and a lie. So let's get right into it. We'll start out with an accrual world. Why 1040s are particularly taxing during a pandemic. I am not going to lie. I really love accounting puns, and I really just jumped on the opportunity to use these, so my apologies. Um, but the IRS issued a warning to alert about a surge in coronavirus-related scams over email, phone calls, or social media requesting personal information while using economic impact payments as a lure. Wow. Oh, golly gee. Another example of our opportunistic cybercrime. So, Chad, what can you tell us about these scams that the IRS is referring to? Yeah, so this is the natural uh, kind of evolution of things that we're seeing um, spidering out of these coronavirus scams. You know, there's starting to be uh, malicious Zoom links and and, uh, Cisco WebEx and things like that. There's also, you know, people targeting um, uh, the IRS scams here, or well, rather targeting the IRS to uh, scam people who are waiting for their stimulus checks. The government wasn't really super clear on how they were going to be getting that money to people um, and to small businesses and such as well. So, um, you know, folks are taking advantage of that to steal information and um, probably identities as well in that process and and get some of that money. There's still a lot of the original scams, like for, you know, fake N95 masks or, um, you know, phishing kits that are kind of based around people's fear of the coronavirus. But, um, you know, this is the the next step is kind of these things. And um, same with this, we're seeing a lot of uh, things for vaccines or um, any sort of drugs that have been mentioned, you know, at just anywhere that people can get a hold um, now that so many of the original coronavirus domains have been registered and kind of blacklisted and things like that. Yeah. And it sounds like this is not, of course, just happening in the United States as this is a global pandemic. Are there similar scenarios playing out in say the UK with their tax season coming up? Yeah, there is. Um, so the way I understand it actually is their taxes are a little bit later, but I believe that their um, stimulus checks are going to come through HMRC, maybe, uh, which is Her Majesty's Revenue and Customs. It's their IRS, essentially. Um, but the um, you know, there's a lot of people that have been furloughed due to the pandemic, and um, it looks like attackers are going to leverage that. I'm seeing lots of domains being registered that look like fake uh, HMRC domains. So I'm not sure if that's for um, some, uh, you know, tax season or for um, 
you know, how people are going to be getting their stimulus checks. On top of all that and sort of tied to the IRS is uh, we've seen an uptick in domains using the the three-letter term SBA, Small Business Administration, which looks like they may be going after targeting small businesses, which are also there's loan programs and relief programs for small businesses as well. So I expect to see we'll see more of those scams as well. Yeah, and actually on that, Alan, it, it's crazy that the so for the way that those loans are going to be distributed um, for small businesses is through the banks. So a lot of the money is coming into the banks, and then uh, there's additional requirements that the banks are building on top of those for small business owners to be able to get that money. Um, so there's there's going to be lots of potential scams there. Oh wow, that's yeah, that creates a lot more opportunity, unfortunately for cyber criminals out there. Uh, this is a bit of a tangent, but I, if you know, I was the Queen of England, I wouldn't necessarily want people associating me with their taxes. Like, do you really want to call it Her Majesty's? I, I don't know. I don't think I would like that. You know, in a hypothetical scenario where I was the Queen of England, which is not ever going to happen, but just putting it out there. It could still happen, Kelsey. <laughs> Just keep dreaming. Um, so speaking of uh, nefarious infrastructure, I know both you, Alan, and Chad have been keeping an eye on what's been spun up. And I'm curious if there's anything that you found particularly unsettling that's kind of, let's say, in like the last week because stuff is changing so quickly here. You know, for a lot of what I'm seeing, it's the same old commercial fishing kits um, that people set up to siphon some private information. Um, you know, that's, that's the majority of everything. There's some Shopify scams that people are doing, but it's the usual stuff for the most part. It's pretty rare to come across anything unique in a world where the, all of this has been commoditized. You know, it's, uh, there's, what is there over, um, you know, there's a couple thousand fishing kits that you can get on forums. So it's, it's insane the, you know, amount of things that are out there. Yeah. I mean, the only thing I'd say is the, how quick everybody has been to adopt these tactics and techniques is pretty impressive if it weren't so evil. Um, yeah, we, 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 we see, normally we see sort of the, the cutting edge players that jump on the latest scams and themes. You know, we'll see Olympics based attacks when the Olympics comes around and so on. But what we're seeing is we're seeing basically everybody from the high end to the low end kind of jumping on this, the the coronavirus and the COVID-19 themed phishing scams and phishing emails um, uh, at, at an incredibly rapid pace. Yeah, that's terrifying. Um, <laughs> I guess the uh, the subtitle of this episode, too, referencing what Chad was talking about is more than one fish in the sea. Yes. Um, <laughs> <so> <laughs> A lot of, like you're saying, Alan, different levels of sophistication, if you will, um, taking advantage oh of the situation. <laughs> I, I love that. Uh, that That is, I, I hope that gets widely adopted and becomes an industry standard. Um, you know, <laughs> uh, uh, basically, instead of hoodies, little fishes to rank the sophistication of the, uh, 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 of the fishing campaign. And Chad, I am sorry for encouraging her. <laughs> yeah, it only gets worse from here, so... Alan, you can come on anytime you want. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess I'd like to get two sets of advice from a, from both of you here. The first set is 
what would you say to your sweet, and I'm using, you know, Chad's grandma here as an example, but sweet Nana Anderson to steer clear of these scams? Or Alan, your your family as well, what would you tell people that are in your life that don't necessarily have technical experience, but you just want to make sure they stay safe during this, uh, this pandemic? So the problem is that these the more sophisticated one are really good and they're using um you know they're using imagery from who and they're using imagery from cdc uh in their emails and and uh, i i think chad pointed this out they're using domains like cdc-gov.org uh things like that that make it really hard to distinguish from uh you know legitimate emails from from malicious emails this is one of those times where, honestly, I would tell people just don't click on any of the emails, I, I, I links on in any of the emails. I, and I, that's normally really bad advice because it's not practical. It's not helpful. But I don't know a good way right now to tell, and maybe hopefully Chad's got better advice than I do, but uh, I don't know a good way to tell people just by eyeballing it whether or not it's good. Um, and, and it doesn't help that organizations like WHO don't have uh, a DKIM enabled. Um, and so anybody can, you know, forge a domain coming from them. Uh, it makes it really hard. I've just been telling people go directly to the websites. Don't read what's in email. Don't click on links. Yep. And I actually go down that same um, path, you know, like if I get an email, that's a little shady. I fire up my Flare VM and go and, you know, open it up with Fiddler Run and see what happens, you know, <laughs> like just, just start to analyze it. But, you know, that's not for uh, that's not for grandma. So um, I and I would agree with the same thing. Just don't click anything in email. Go to the website directly, even if it looks like it's directly from the CDC or who it, you never know on on these sites where, it, you know, cross-site scripting phone or, you know, open redirect or something that attackers have found and are leveraging um, in, in a time like this when there's so many people and with varied levels of sophistication um, out there trying to um, take advantage of folks. It's uh, you just can't be you can't be too careful. You're so stubborn, Chad. I know you want to take on the pun. Um, I'm going to make you give a uh instead of the hoodie rating, I'm going to take Alan's advice. So I just want you to emotionally prepare for that here in a few minutes. <laughs> but on the flip side of that, rather than talking about our family members and people that don't have necessarily the background or technical prowess, what advice would you give security organizations, um, especially as more and more organizations are asking their employees or hopefully already have asked their employees to work from home if possible? I always say the same thing there. You know, it's good old phishing education. Um, there's plenty of free services to run a campaign against your own team. And it, it's always good to have um, that that level set security education when you get everyone in a room and like, this is a phishing campaign. This is what it looks like. But actually running a campaign now and again to keep people on their toes is paramount. You know, you get a little um, overconfident sometimes when you work in the security industry or, or in technology and, and think that, uh, you know, you won't fall for something like that. But, uh, you know, even I've fallen for it when we've had internal, um, phishing, like we've spoken about before on this, this, uh, podcast, my own sister ran a campaign and got me. So, I mean, granted she had a lot of insider knowledge, but you know, still I fell for it. Yeah. Um, so one of the things that I think has been really great is that um, 
organizations like Domain Tools, uh, Alien Vault, others, um, and, and and the two different COVID-19 threat intelligence volunteer groups that have been set up have been releasing a lot of really good vetted indicators. If at all possible, try to keep those emails from getting to your employees. Um, so, you know, block them in your mail server if you can, block malicious domains in your mail server if you can, block the uh, block them from leaving your network through your proxy if you can. Uh, doing things like that so that you you don't have to worry about somebody ever seeing an email that is potentially bad or, or seeing a lot fewer of them. One thing that's interesting, I saw a study that was done um, by, uh, and I had never seen this before, um, by one of the fishing companies, and I don't remember who right now, um, is that uh, one of the problems with doing COVID-19 themed fishing tests is that it makes people more trusting of other COVID-19 emails, which is obviously a big concern. Um, so just, I'm not saying don't run tests. I'm saying that just be careful with, uh, with what you're doing. And, uh, and, and I don't know why in this particular case that's happening, but it is something to be aware of. That's great to know. I suppose the world is turned upside down. So everything that didn't make sense now just kind of, we just accept. <laughs> and I suppose the last question I always like to ask is about impact as we segue into the hoodie and or so fishtication ratings. Um, so I imagine obviously this has a direct impact on victims of the scams. Is there any other potential effect? One of the things that we've seen is... Um... Obviously, one of the leaders in delivering these phishing campaigns has been Emotet and TrickBot. And Emotet and TrickBot, of course, is used to deliver ransomware. So, yes, it can impact the victims, but it could also impact the organization, especially um, as we've seen uh, organizations get set up for more remote access and, and sudden remote access. Uh, you have a whole lot of employees that are no longer directly behind your firewall or directly in your control that are connecting into your network. So falling for one of these phishing campaigns could introduce something like ransomware, could in introduce a nation state actor directly into your organization, which is obviously problematic. Great point. Any thoughts from you, Chad, on this? Yeah, you know, it's this, it's the, uh, I'd say the same thing, Um you know, especially with the Rio Quinson layer and um, the, you know, it's been targeting hospitals as well, like we spoke about last week. Um, so it's a lot of those organizations are at a lot of risk because they just weren't ready to make this shift. And I also think directly to the individual victims of these scams, I, we've brought this up a lot, but I, I just hate that the folks who are most desperate, you know, to either get their stimulus check or their government benefits are the ones who get targeted by these the most. Um, and it just sucks that people who are just trying to get through their their next week, you know, um, and they really rely on that to pay their rent or whatever are the the ones that um, these people target in mass. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, uh, yes. And let's just <laughs> it's hard not to to rag on on those folks because it's an awfully terrible thing to do. And I'm really appreciative, Alan, of you bringing up all of the wonderful ways that security professionals and vendors are stepping up and it's cool to see. It's sort of like hell hath no fury, like a hacker scorned sort of. <laughs> and it's really cool to see 
everybody going out of their way to help one another. Yep. Now's not the time to blame anybody for for not being prepared for this. Now's not the time to scoff at uh, you know, stupid users or whatever phrase is common in the industry. Now is the time to stop the attack and then, you know, we can worry about the other stuff later. But now we've got to actually uh, take this seriously and, and do everything we can to help. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And it's something that I harp on all the time on this podcast, but it's pretty incredible. I feel like the people we get to meet in this industry, something that is a common personality trait is just this anxiety and compassion on behalf of the user. And to see that be turned up like 10x um, during this pandemic has been incredible. I know people are, you know, before we started this podcast, both Chad and Alan were talking about how even their computers are tired. Um, and so just just want to send appreciation out there to all those folks that are doing what they can during this time um, to make the world a better, a better place than we're at now. I really appreciate it. Um, but with that, Let's go into those those hoodie ratings um, and how so fish ticated um, these things are, if you will. Um, and I'll start with you, Alan. What would you rate uh, this at here between zero and ten? So I would give this probably an eight out of ten. Um, I, I, and it's an eight because it's pervasive and it's everywhere and it's taking advantage of the fact that people are, you know, desperate for information and. Uh, desperate to uh, find, you know, whether it's desperate to get their money, desperately find out what's going on, etc. So there's that, and and I think Chad pointed this out in one of the earlier podcasts that in one of the campaigns in Italy, you all saw uh, uh, Domain Tools saw a ten percent click through rate, which I think most marketers would love, much less most phishing campaigns. So they're 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 being highly successful. The only reason I'm not dialing it up to a full ten is because knock on wood so far we haven't seen any new techniques um, associated with this so they're basically bolting on the uh, these phishing campaigns these phishing emails to existing techniques which if you have protections in place to to defeat those techniques hopefully you're going to be in a lot better shape than than organizations that don't very well said, Chad. What do you what do you rate this at? I would be at an eight out of ten as well, just because it is playing on so much fear right now and so many people's needs. Um, you know, it's just it's a it's a big problem, and I, you know, un unfortunately, the um, fishing kits are getting more sophisticated um, because uh, a paper <laughs> came out today that I was reading that uh, a, about one in five now have some sort of um, uh, code that it'll, it'll check whether or not you're supposed to be the one coming to the link, you know, whether that's a user agent string, right? Whether that's a, a unique value in the campaign that they're running, but it makes it a little bit harder for us to, um, analyze as researchers and, and to go and take a look at. So, um, you know, they're, they are getting more sophisticated all the time. We got you, Chad. We yeah, you yeah, down. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think, unfortunately, the um, the official tagline for threat actors right now is "Carpe Diem," um, seize the fish. Yeah, seize the carp. Um, seize the carp. Is, did, wait, did you say that's the official? Um, oh yeah. no, but you did. Ha ha ha. 
<laughs> All right. I'm going to move on to the next article before um, Chad has a brain aneurysm now that he is providing puns by his own volition. Um, so <laughs> Microsoft attempts to nurse hospitals back to health. So Microsoft has started to send targeted notifications to dozens of hospitals about vulnerable public-facing VPN devices and gateways located on their network. So a part of their tracking of various group behind human-operated ransomware attacks, Microsoft has seen one of the operations known as Revil targeting vulnerabilities in VPN devices and gateway applications to breach a network. So Alan, according to Microsoft's blog, they're seeing, generally speaking, more and more human-operated ransomware campaigns. So what... What does human-operated ransomware campaign mean, and how are they benefiting threat actors? Sure. So a human-operated ransomware campaign is a uh, involves a direct exploitation of a vulnerability. So um, you know, commonly you see this with remote desktop protocol, where you know it's either an exploitation or password reuse or or, or common attacks. But they've stepped up, the ransomware actors have stepped up their games and they're going after Citrix, Pulse Secure VPN, um, they have Secure VPN, uh, and, and so on. So they're looking for known vulnerabilities in these systems. They exploit the system to gain access. So this is a publicly you know, exposed system on the internet. They gain access to that system and then they spend time learning and understanding the network uh, before they deliver the ransomware. So they're usually in there for several days to several weeks, mapping the network, understanding where everything is, um, and then uh, waiting to deliver the ransomware to inflict the maximum damage. During that time, they improve their access. So they try and get admin access, try and gain access to the main controller. And they use a lot of the system tools, uh, PSExec and at and net uh, to move around the network. So they're not necessarily running exploits inside the network. They're trying to move around in the same way a, an admin normally would. It's all event very manual process, but it allows them to infect thousands, hundreds or thousands of machines at the same time. So it maximizes the damage they inflict on the victim network. Wow. Thank you. That was a great explanation. Um, really appreciate that background. And again, according to what Microsoft bubbled up in their piece, they've been tracking Revil and it appears they are targeting publicly facing VPN, VPN devices so what have they discovered and can you walk us through these recent attacks? Yeah, so basically, so so the way Revil works is uh, they, they actually have the main group and then they're what we call ransomware as a service. So they have a bunch of affiliates that all use their ransomware. And, and I think we're up to 25 different affiliates, uh, but I don't have the exact number in front of me. Uh, and, and each team has a different way of operating. So some rely on phishing emails. Uh, some rely on going after managed service providers and using the managed service provider access to uh, gain access to the you know to the the managed service providers customers 
and infect them that way. And then others use just good old-fashioned remote exploitation. And what they'll do is they'll do mass scans across the network looking for exposed, potentially vulnerable systems. So again, they're looking for specific uh, either VPNs or uh, you know, v VPN types, I should say, um, or uh, open exposed systems. So that would be things, again, like Citrix, which is uh, a common attack point at this point. The Pulse Secure VPN is something that they've specifically looked at. And what they'll do is they'll exploit known vulnerabilities in these systems and use that to gain access. So they'll gain access to the VPN server or the Citrix server and then move to the core of the network from there. Awesome. That was a great breakdown. Thank you so much, Alan. And I know that you've also been keeping a close eye on healthcare providers uh, during this pandemic. I hope that there, someone doesn't have like a bingo card or a counter of how many times I'm saying the word pandemic. <laughs> it's impossible not to bring up. Right. Uh, but what are some other examples of attacks you've seen as of late? And I know, I think you're in the process right now of writing up a blog post on this. So I, I am writing a blog post on this. Um, the problem is going to be whether or not um, I can get it published with all of the curse words that I'm including in it. Um, <laughs> and, and and so that is, uh, that, that, that's been a, a, a contention back and forth. Um, so, we know, um, and, and Chad pointed this out, we know the Ryuk uh, uh, ransomware group is targeting hospitals specifically, um, but they're not the only ones. So we've seen the NetWalker ransomware, which has gone after the uh, health department in Champaign, uh, uh, Illinois, and they've also targeted hospitals in Spain. Uh, so we do see these ransomware actors despite the alleged pledge that several of them made back in, in March, actually targeting healthcare providers and uh, healthcare researchers and so on uh, with, with these ransomware campaigns. But it's not just ransomware actors. Hospitals right now are a huge mess. Um, we know, uh, so for example, my wife works for a large healthcare provider and she's in an administrative role. And for the first time ever, she's worked from home and everybody in that hospital for the first time ever is in a work from home environment. And so that's created a lot of confusion and it, it's created a lot of problems, um, trying to get everybody set up and running. And, and we see these attackers trying to take advantage of uh, the chaos that's happening in these healthcare providers, again, with COVID-19 themed phishing emails, but we also see targeted attacks pretending to be, for example, from the IT team, uh, hey, here's how you set up your VPN, click this document, or here's how you need to you know, set this up. Uh, so open this document and you'll see what, uh, what, you know, what you need to do and, and so on. And, and these kind of attacks, um, again, are targeting healthcare providers around the world. So, uh, in addition to everything else that healthcare providers are going through right now, they're also seeing a big uptick in attacks. Uh, hence the, the note from Microsoft, um, um, about not just the ransomware, but other types of attacks as well. Thank you, Alan. I really appreciate you going to, into depth there. And I hope my fingers are crossed that they can publish it. And we will backlink to that blog whenever and if um, it gets published wherever. 
um because i want i want to read that personally and also be able to share that out well uh, as i said if for some reason there are too many f words in it um i'll just put it as a 300 uh tweet uh twitter rant <laughs> just just replace the f with a ph there you go <laughs> <It'll be fine>. <laughs> <laughs> so you you also mentioned that some healthcare institutions um have deemed folks non-essential or even, you know, like you're saying in your situation with your wife are working remotely. So what should remote workforce employees keep an eye out for? And and that's a real, that's a real problem. So yes, uh, first of all, that's another thing that, that I think people haven't taken into account is that uh, because um, many healthcare providers have had to cancel all elective uh, 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 operations and, and um, appointments, a lot of them have had to furlough and lay off employees, including some IT and some security people. Um, but then for the, the ones that are going home, I know, for example, uh, you know, my wife is uh, working from home on her personal laptop because the hospital just wasn't prepared for a law for a large workforce. And, and anecdotally, I've seen this happen in hospital chains around the country where people are getting sent home and they're being sent home and told, use your computer to connect into our network. Here's what you need to do now. Uh, my wife doesn't have to worry as much as other people do because our network's probably more secure than her hospital network. Um, that's not a slight on them. That's just my paranoia. Um, <laughs> I have to deal with her constant complaints about the site she can't go visit. Um, so, uh, but when, uh, you know, one of the things that, uh, that, that seems to be happening is many healthcare providers, you know, did this because they had, 48 hours to figure out how to set up a complete remote workforce. And there have been multiple reports that that, that that has led to a noted increase in the number of exposed remote desktop protocol and Citrix servers uh, that are now potentially publicly accessible. But then it also is a threat because you now have home users on their laptops that may be checking a phishing email on their Gmail account or their Yahoo account, um, getting that laptop infected. But now that laptop has access to the healthcare network as well as the personal laptop. So that creates an additional uh, level of exposure. And, and, and again, not to sound defeatist, that it may be too late to figure out what to do right now. Like if you're an IT department or a security department in healthcare organization, you can send out recommendations, but it's really hard to get that remote workforce, especially if they're using their own systems, uh, uh, to comply with that while everything else is going on. What this does mean is that when it's over, a lot of these organizations are going to have to sit down and replan this out. So it's not necessarily bad that people have to use their home laptops to connect. It's not ideal, but um, but there should be sort of requirements that have to be set up. Okay, if you're going to connect into our corporate network, you have to be running at least this operating system and you have to have some level of antivirus protection and, and so on, whatever those whatever those requirements are. And then you have to have you know, either your Citrix or your VPN set up. So it tests that each system connecting into their network meets those level of requirements. 
again, trying to do that right now while everything else is going on is probably really hard. It's yeah, I've, I've heard the comment made that it'd be like trying to change a tire while you're moving at 90 miles an hour. You don't want to necessarily try and do that right now. Um, but when this is over, that's something to rethink. Hopefully this never happens again, but you do want to be prepared in case it does. Yeah, I think that's such a great point that you've been making on this podcast of let's let's get through this and then let's take our learnings um, to secure all the things um, for this, you know, this 20% exception rule that we haven't necessarily had to deal with at this scale previously. So I'll be curious to see, and I'm hopeful that this causes positive change from a security perspective after the fact, at least hopefully there aren't too many folks that are harmed in the meantime, though. Um, but Alan, to sort of finish off this conversation, I guess my question to you before we move into that hoodie grading is how concerned are you with the attacks on these types of institutions? And do you think they're getting enough attention relative to everything else that's going on in the media coronavirus wise? I, I think they're getting a good deal of attention. I, I'm very concerned about them. Um, uh, you know, it's obviously important to me to make sure our healthcare um, workers are able to work unfettered. Um, you know, it's important, I'm sure, to everybody. What um, what I'm really happy to see, and we talked about this earlier, uh, I'm really happy to see that that we have these volunteer groups set up. I know Chad is part of one. I'm part of a different one that are trying to put together warnings and alerts and sending this out, uh, you know, sending out information that healthcare providers can use to try and protect themselves and protect their workers. I think the big problem is how do you get that information in front of the right people so that they can take action on it? So you have to make the data actionable in the first place, but then also make sure that it's getting in front of the right people. Because again, those IT teams, those security teams are completely overwhelmed right now. And, you know, while I think there's a lot of great work being done, we need to make sure we're doing it in a way that it can be ingested by the people that are most impacted by the threat. Yeah, it's almost like all of the problems uh, <laughs> that, or I guess I should say challenges, especially from a CTI perspective, like there's this massive magnifying glass over them right now, of like we were talking about when we were prepping for this podcast, the signal to noise issue and right. how important that is that we filter things out, get it to the right people. Um, so, yeah. Before they blow there. up from the sun coming through the magnifying glass? Yes, yes. <laughs> Oh, well, on that, yes, on that visual note, I'm going to ask Chad first what you would rate um, this at for a, for a hoodie rating, and then I'll go over to you, Alan. Um, so I'm going to go for a, an 8 out of 10 as well on this one. It's just um, there, there's so much going on here. Yeah, speaking to the, the IT staff being considered non-essential, you know, in some places I've spoken to people where their response to this was just to open up, um, you know, Microsoft terminal services and RDP connections for everyone to their desktop. They're seen, we've seen Shodan articles that, uh, or a Shodan article where there was um, a, a huge increase in open RDP services um, just from that. So um, it's things like that that are... Um, just gonna it just spreads the attack surface you know it gets bigger and bigger so I, I think there's there's a lot of potential for bad here and that's why i would rate it eight out of ten um you know 
Excellent. What do you think, Alan? Yeah, I'm probably a little more alarmist. I'm going to go with an eight and a half. Um, I don't, and, and for the half, definitely the top. I like the bare belly hoodie. I think those are the crop top hoodies. I think <laughs> those are the best yes. kind of hoodies. Um, is that the Cheech Marin hoodie? Is that, yes, exactly. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so eight, eight and a half, I think. Um, again, the, the one saving grace in all this is they're not using any new techniques. Um, they are, which is a minor saving grace since they were having so much success already without having new techniques. So if you have protections in place, those same protections will work. Um, and I just think that you need, uh, um, but, but it is a big concern. And so far, at least no patient care has been impacted by these attacks. Um, the attacks that we've seen have been mostly on billing networks and, and so on. So all of that is good. Um, it could get worse. Uh, let's, um, you know, all we can do right now is hope not. Yeah, Absolutely. Thank you both for all of your insight into both of these conversations. And let's let's move on over. Let's skip over into our final piece for today, which is, of course, our game of two truths and a lie. Um, so it's my turn this week. So I'm going to try to trick both Chad and Alan. I've got three articles, two of which are true. One is a lie. So I'm going to read them out loud here. Um, and we'll let you two guess here in a second. Are you two ready? I'm ready. Bring it. All right. All right. Here's the here they here they go. First one. Seward, Nebraska, hit by cyber attack. City services impacted. Number two. Walgreens mobile app leaks prescription data. And number three. Drake lyrics used as calling card in malware attack. Those are your three articles. Do you want me to read them again? Or do you feel like you both have a, a guess stewing? I know the answer. <laughs> All right, Alan, go for it. If you'd like to guess first, it's up to you. So uh, unfortunately for you, um, I maintain a database of all publicly reported ransomware attacks against state and local governments. <laughs> that attack was against Stewart, Florida, not Stewart, Nebraska. All right. Chad, do you have a guess? Can you tell me which Drake lyrics were used? Was it like Hotline Bling or? I do not know enough about Drake <laughs> to share that with you, unfortunately. Uh, okay. <laughs> um, well, I, I also am going to go with the uh, the Stewart, um, Nebraska, um, not being the correct, being a lie. A blatant lie. All right, drum roll. You both got it. You're both too good. Dang it. <laughs> I did Sorry. some research on tiny towns in Nebraska thinking I could befuddle you two, but alas. So, so I, I, I do apologize. I should not have been so confident in my uh, in, in my wording. Um, that way I could have left it open for uh, Chad to maybe doubt me. No, well, see, no. and then uh, on my end, I used to work in a lot of... Uh, in 911 centers and we did a lot for uh, different counties and I I know many of the places in Nebraska and um, <laughs> what their security posture is <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh well lucky for Seward 
to my knowledge, they have not yet been hit. And Alan obviously would know better myself. And it sounds like you're doing you're doing well so far, unless it has just not been publicly disclosed. Um, <laughs> so that's that's all we have for this week. I want to thank um, Alan for coming on, Chad for telling a few puns and laughing at a few of my jokes. That felt really good. Thank you, Chad. It's just what the doctor ordered. Just um, this once. Just this once. Thank you. Only in a pandemic. That's when you'll laugh at my puns. Um, yeah. A pandemic. <laughs> a pandemic. It is a pandemic. <laughs> but uh, yeah, just everyone, please stay safe and healthy. And I just want to, again, thank everybody, especially you two, Chad and Alan. I know you both are volunteering your time, so I appreciate that. And we'll be back here next week. And again, just don't drink and drive. Excuse me. That is not the right one. Don't drink and click. <laughs> Especially <laughs> after what you heard today. Don't drink and drive either. I don't um, drink, drive, and click. That's right. <laughs> that's, that's, yeah. That's the trifecta right there. Well, thank you all for your time. And we'll see you next time on Breaking Badness. Thank you very much. This, yeah, this thank break. you. That's about all we have for this week. You can find us on Twitter, at DomainTools. All of the articles and IOCs mentioned today will be included in our blog post, which can be found at DomainTools.com slash resources slash podcasts. Catch us every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific time when we publish our podcast and blog. That's all we have for this week. We'll see you next week on another episode of Breaking Badness. Until then, remember, don't drink and click. <laughs>